Matthew 19, verses 3 through 12, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Some Pharisees came to him, him being Jesus, to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and sent her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been given, or have, excuse me, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are also, I'm just messing all up right here at the end. <laughs> and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Father God, I just thank you this morning that as our pastor has been teaching on different seasons of life, Lord God, that we've experienced many different seasons this morning in the different uh, parts of the body sharing. And Lord, we thank you for the word that's coming forth today. We thank you that in every season of life, you are with us, that you are for us and not against us to give us a future and a hope. And we thank you for the hope that we have in the word of God this morning through our pastor. And we open our ears to hear what he has to say through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can all be seated. Thank you, Vicki. I'm not sure if anyone was paying attention to that verse. That verse is one of the, the reasons I love the Bible. Uh, I think sometimes they get misunderstood. People think, you know what, I don't even think Pastor Devin likes the Bible at all. I do love the Bible. You just have to read it really well. So if you notice what it said there, right? He said what? He said, if we can't divorce our wives, it's not even worth getting married. Did you catch that at all? Anybody catch that in the verse? That's in the Bible. Tell your spouse, if I can't divorce you. No, I'm just kidding. No. Come on. It's in the Bible. The Pharisees, the, the pastor at the time said, hey, Moses said that we could divorce. And Jesus says, well, actually, no, you shouldn't. We only said that because you guys uh, were basically uh, just terrible humans. But if we can't divorce, it's better not to even marry. Jesus' response, tough. <laughs> Think about this, guys. I love stuff like that. That's a, that's a rocky start for most of us, right? Uh, I love that the Bible says things that we just don't even catch it all, right? It's beautiful. It's one of the most honest books uh, that you'll ever read, but you have to read it honestly, right? And so in this series for us, we're trying to break down all the different various uh, the seasons of life. One of the, uh, the things that we're kind of taught in culture is that the goal of life is to get to the prime of life, right? When you're younger, you're trying to mature quickly. You're trying to prepare to be whatever it is that you're going to be, right? Whatever you're going to do. And so the question when you talk to a child is not, hey, how are you enjoying life? You say, hey, what are you going to be when what? Come on. You grow up, right? Because that's the goal, 
right? And then when you talk to someone who's already grown up and kind of aged past that prime space, right? The questions are, hey, so you look rested. (laughs) You look young. You look good. Hey, what are you doing with your face to look so good? Meaning, how are you holding on to the prime of your life a little bit longer? Because if we're in the first part of life, you want to get forward. But if we're in the latter part of life, we want to get back to the prime. And so for me, I feel like the Scriptures show us very clearly this is not the heart of God for us. That the reason that we go through seasons, the reason which we are born as children and we kind of mature through all different stages is because each season of life is to be a gift. And the problem is if we are trying to, to either to rush ahead or we're trying to cling to the past, we're not able to enjoy the majority of the years you are alive on the planet. If you are only living for those prime 15 years, how many years of your life are you absent? How many years of your life are you missing? And so the goal is not for you to get to your prime. The goal is not to hurry up and to grow up or to to stay young as long as possible. The goal is to learn how to appreciate the gift of every season of your life. And so as as we've been going into uh, all these different seasons, the one I've been excited to talk about is singleness. Who remembers being single? Who's married? Anyone who remembers single life? What do you miss about single life? Anyone? Holler it. (laughs) MySpace. MySpace and doing what you want. That marriage is going to go great. Amen. Everyone pray for them. (laughs) Anyone else? What do you miss from being single? Money. Amen. When you're you're stinking children and you're taking all... Yeah. I'm not bitter at all. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Anyone else? What do you miss from being single? Do what? No snoring. Wow, he's going to love you for that one. That was very kind. Put that out there. <laughs> anyone else? Don't say a word. Is there, is there anyone else? Do what? Oh, Lord have mercy. Because men are afraid. <laughs> men are afraid to say a word, right? No, I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm very glad to be married. Absolutely. And so, in singleness for me, um, I was a single growing up in the 90s during the, uh, the purity years in the church. Who had a purity ring? Did anyone have a purity ring? Okay, we're getting some hands going up here, right? The idea in the church was that when you hit the age of about 9 or 10, we began to talk to you about your gift. What God has given you. And God has given you your gift of purity, which is code in church for sex, because we don't say that word. Amen, hallelujah. We don't say the S word in church. We're already getting quiet. Do you see how quiet we got? You see that? We don't say that word in here. It doesn't happen. There are babies everywhere. It happens, guys. I know you do it. Loosen up. (laughs) You're on the front row today, Megan. Come on. You're not tricking anyone, all right? And so we called it purity, right? And the idea was this. We would have these balls and banquets. And so we're going to teach these young men that you have this gift of purity and you're going to protect it. We need to teach these young girls, you are a princess of Jesus and you're going to hide your purity away in the castle until the right prince scales the... Come on, this is hilarious. Anyone? Now... There are some really good things we were doing here, right? We're trying to push back against a culture which is over-sexualized, a culture that's told them that sex will make them happy. It's the only point of life, right? 
And so the church knew that's not the answer, so we're trying to push back against this. But what we created was this understanding that the highlight of your life, that you are not fully whole yet until you enter into marriage. That the primary goal of your life was to get married and have a family. And so one of the side effects of this was the church was and still is one of the most uncomfortable places on the planet for singles. Now, if you don't go to a huge church, you know, let's all be honest, who here found your spouse at church? Okay. Now, for most of us, we were taught, you know where to go find a wife, don't you? You go where? Wow. The bar? Okay. Everyone's being quiet. They're like, I know where I found my wife. At the rodeo, right? Come on. <laughs> at church was the answer. That's where you're supposed to find them, at church, right? Um, there are some famous Christian colleges, okay? So there's one called Rama, okay? And CFNI. These two places are famous because we all knew what was going on. You don't really go to these colleges to get an education. You go for one reason. To f- there's a lot of opportunities, Anyone? Anyone catching my drift? A lot of passionate people for Jesus, and they're all single. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a buffet. Come on. This is what it is. And so pastors would joke around like, like crazy. Pastors go find their youth pastors at these colleges, right? Because they're all going to be freshly hitched. Um, YWAM's a little bit like that back in the day. Was YWAM like that at all? <laughs> She's like, don't call me out. Don't call me. Okay. It's a great recruiting tool. Come on. Come here, find Jesus, and you'll find your spouse. Amen. You all be happy. Now again, the intentions were great, and these are still things we're trying to accomplish. But what happened was we created a, a truth in, deep inside of people who grew up in churches. And it was this. You are not whole. You are not enough. You are not complete until you are married. Until you are married, something is missing in your life. And so we take verses like Genesis, and we teach them. See, in Genesis 2, it says that that God looked down at Adam and said that it's not good for man to be alone. And so the answer to this was, was he's going to make him a suitable mate or partner, right? And so we see the story of the creation of Eve, which is kind of a crazy story by itself. (laughs) It's the first surgery in all of human history, amen? God takes a rib out. Look at that. Beautiful. If you guys just read the Bible, it's hilarious. Anybody? No one? Okay. It's a, it's, it's a great book. And so what comes out of this is the first woman. And from this, we have the story that you are not fully the image of God. You're not whole. God's plans for you are not complete until you marry and even until you have children. And so in churches, there is a weight, a stigma. Until you find that person, you're part of us, but you're not really part of us. I'll even admit, here at Grace Church, we are terrible at taking care of singles. We don't have much for them. We still, to this day, don't have anything really for singles. Everything is built around the family unit. There's a famous leader of the the largest non-Catholic denomination. I'll let you figure it out. And he came out with a statement. He said, the ultimate purpose of man on the earth is to love God by marrying and having children. 
And so for every Christian who was not able to find a spouse or who had no desire for that, for every Christian who found a spouse but was not able to have children, they were not the fulfillment of God's plan on the earth. They were less than. Less than. And so with that in mind, I want us to read that passage in Matthew again. Not sure if you caught that at all, right? But the passage there in Matthew, he goes on down and he says this, Not everyone can can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are the eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been taken and made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose a life like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this word should accept it. In verse 8 and 9, he even says this. He says, in this life is the best option. So Jesus comes into a a Jewish culture that's a lot like the church culture. The end-all, be-all of being a human being is to have a family, to procreate, to make children. And the words of Jesus are this. For him who can have singleness, have it. Just imagine this. Imagine if... I were to preach to you today. The fullness of being a Christian is to be single. Everyone who has children or a spouse, you are less than a Christian. How would you feel about that today? And they're silent yet again. Amen. I have a habit of doing that, don't I? What is happening here in true Jesus fashion? We also see him in Luke, and he says the same thing. He says, no one can, can follow me except he who picks up his cross and it to explain things. He says, anyone who doesn't hate their father, their mother, their spouse. The word there is wife. But of course we know that's both. Spouse. Anyone who doesn't even hate their spouse, you can't follow me. And a few people are like, check. Got it. Come on, laugh. Anybody? Nobody. All right, that's okay. So what's Jesus doing here? What's He doing? Why is He saying that these things that were so clear in the Old Testament, there's still cultures in this, in this world right now where until you marry, you are second class. The goal of most parents and most cultures right now on this planet is to get their children married off. And then they are successful. And Jesus comes and attacks the very root of this. And He says, no, 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 no. Who is the most important figure in all of Christianity who never married? Would you like to tell me who that was? <laughs> I heard someone say God. Absolutely correct. God as Jesus, right? Who said Paul? Get out of here, you Baptist. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm joking. It's a joke. It's an inside joke. Jesus. Was that you? Was that you? Jesus. Jesus is the most important figure in all of Christianity, right? Uh, in the Scripture, it says that He is the, the image, the fullness of God incarnate, right? It also says that He is the second Adam, meaning that Jesus is not only the full picture of God, but Jesus is the full picture of what man is supposed to be. He is Adam made whole. Adam healed. The ultimate picture of humanity is in one human being, Jesus. Someone who never had children, or someone who never married If this is the fulfillment of God's will for every Christian's life, then why does Jesus not walk it out? He walks out everything else for us. He walks out the poor. He walks out praying for for healing. He walks out sacrificial love. He walks out every other thing He calls us to. But how come He doesn't walk this one out? 
whenever I got married, well, I'll say this. My biggest fear, because I grew up in some really awesome churches, um, my biggest fear was that I would die without experiencing marriage. Seriously, my fear. I feared that I would be a good Christian boy and that I would die without having a family. Without getting to enjoy the ultimate gift of God. Because you know what? Here's God and here's all His presents. Here you go, son, and here you go. But we all know the big one behind Him, right? So at Christmas time, you save the big one for last, right? Who gives the big present first? That's ridiculous, right? The big box gets, no, no, don't touch that one yet. Here, you take the stocking. Amen? Well, let's, let's work it up. And so in my mind, here's Jesus going, oh, here's salvation, and here's joy, here's healing for your soul. Oh, we're going to wait for the family one. That's last. <laughs> Little did we know what was in that box, right? Amen? Anybody? <laughs> Come on. The ultimate trick. I'm just kidding. Come on. <laughs> I'm just playing. We had that fun. You guys are too serious when we talk about this kind of stuff, right? And so what happens here, right, is if I don't get this box, then God's keeping something from me. So not only do we have Christians in the church who walk around feeling less than, who literally have a new wound in their soul. They come to the place that they're supposed to find healing and identity, and they get handed a new wound. Oh, by the way, you're not good enough because you haven't married yet. You don't have kids yet. Sorry. And then on top of this, there's now this frustration with God. Why won't you give me that? And so every single one church has to watch all their friends and everyone else that they know, and they get married, and they get married, and they get married. And of course, as you all know, the way it happens in a community, it's a wave, right? The first person gets engaged to, oh, I want that too. And then the next engagement, anyone know what I'm talking about? And it is, Oh, it takes off like crazy, right? Mar- marriage is also used in churches as a cover-up for boo-boos. For all of you who weren't so careful with your precious gift, what's the answer when you make a boo-boo? And there's going to be proof. What's the answer in the church? You're getting married right now. And everyone's like, way too honest. I can't take that. Sorry, it was a grace church here. We're honest. And so we use marriage as a band-aid. Hey, you know what will make it all better? We're going to have a big party to celebrate that, you know, what happened. And we're going to have the pastor pray for you, and everything is going to be better. Amen. <laughs> Better believe it. Do you know how awkward it is for a pastor in that situation? Do you have any idea? Okay. And so on top of all this, we've created this monster. Hey, the answer for everything, if you are empty, if you're depressed, if you're sad, if you're single and you're going through issues, you know what you just need? You just need to get married. Let's get you hitched. And we're all going to send you our best ideas. Hey, you should Facebook friend this person. They're a great match for you. You won't be as angry anymore. The biggest mistake that I ever made in marriage, it was my first mistake I made in marriage. I came into marriage expecting it, the thing of marriage, and this woman specifically, to make me better, to make me whole. Whatever the whole was inside of me, whatever was missing in my life, I was told by the church, marriage is going to fix it. And if marriage doesn't fix it, kids will fix it. And at the end of that, if you're still messed up, we're just going to pray for you some more. (laughs) What they didn't know, I'm sorry, I don't have time for more jokes. We're running out of time. And so I come into my marriage with all of my brokenness, 
here, I was told you're going to fix it. And so I wake up the first day being married and go, all right, my life's better now, right? Everything's fixed. Wait, I still feel the same. And I have to fold my clothes now. That's even worse, right? <laughs> what's going on here? What's, 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 what's taking place here? I don't have time to go into a lot of details, but I just want to cut to the chase here. What we see in Christ, what Christ is, what Jesus is, is attacking head on. He's not saying you cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ and be married. He's not saying that. He's, co- he's coming at the context. He's speaking to a people who know that to fully obey God is to be married, to be one flesh, and to create children, right? To fill the earth and to subdue it. And He comes right at this thing. If we are on one extreme, and we want to get to the middle, a small adjustment is not going to take us there. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we're over here, the only way to get to the middle is a giant shift. And then we're going to find ourselves centered. This is how it works. He is creating the shift we need because singleness is not the answer for everyone. And marriage is not the answer for everyone. Let me show you what it is. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. Let's go there. This is a crazy passage. I wish I had time to read it all. It's, pretty, uh, it's a lot of fun. We don't get time for that, though. I wish that all of you were as I am. Now, this is Paul, most people believe, okay? But each of you has your own gift from God. Right. So Paul's saying, I wish all of you were single, not married, no kids, just like I am. Because I know the gift that singleness can be. Which, by the way, I've learned from following another single man named Jesus. The gift of singleness is an amazing gift, and I wish everyone could have it. But, he says this, but each of you has a gift from God. Here's what I want you to understand today. Marriage is not the answer, and singleness is not the answer. Every one of these options is a gift from God. I want you to get this inside. If in your walk with God you come to a place in between your desire to be faithful to Jesus, married with your desire and choice that you want to experience God through having a family, amen, you can have that. If you come to a place where God has put something inside of you or or the result of, of your personality and your experiences and you do not have a desire for that, or maybe it's good for you to be single for longer than you would want to be, guess what? That's a gift as well. Here's the weird thing about gifts. Gifts are only enjoyable when you see it as a gift. Um, now, I do have kids, okay? And so often I preach from this experience. Have you ever given a present to a kid and they had the worst reaction possible? Like it scared them or something? You know what I'm talking about? Does anyone experience this before? Okay, um, like a stuffed animal? Or, or like a doll. Those are creepy, right? Anyone? And you're like, hey, they're going to love it. And you open it up and they go, ah! And you're like, big mistake, you're right? I've learned, right? How you enjoy the gift has everything to do with how you perceive it. Here's the problem. A lot of you in this room were given a gift of singleness from God. 
but you've been told by churches and by church culture that that's not a gift, it's a curse. This is a problem for us. This needs to change for us. Because here's the thing that everyone in this room has to know. Singleness. The time in your life where you do not have a family, you do not have children, you don't have people to provide for, need to take care of, you don't have a large chunk of your emotions and your thought life and your energy and your money and your time being devoted to specific people. This is the time in your life to discover. Singleness is the season of our lives of discovery. Discover who God is. Discover what the world is. And the most important one of this season, you have to discover who you are. I want you to understand something. The majority of the couples who do choose divorce, the majority of the couples who come into the office, and it is too much for them. They are, they're on the brink, and they say, you know what? If I can't divorce, I won't even like, ever marry again because it's stupid. The biggest reason they come to this place is because they never fully found themselves before they gave themselves. I want you to have this picture. They never found who they were before they offered that to someone else. I had no clue who I was when I got married. They'll laugh at me. <laughs> I had no clue who I was. What I was offering to her, to her was a skeleton of who I really am. Unfortunately for her, she had to go on the journey of finding me with me. And that was scary. Amen. <laughs> Aren't you glad you married me? I'm a mess, right? You, whatever season of life you're in, right? We're trying to learn from every season. The part of singleness that you need to bring into the season you're in right now, if you are married or if you're desiring to be married, what you need to hold on to this morning is this. You've got to find yourself first before you find anyone else. If you find them first before you find you, what you're finding is a crutch. You're finding someone or something you're going to put too much weight on. You know what? You could even find the perfect person. Because in churches we have that language, right? Who's the one person God chose for you? Oh, they just happened to be in the same town as you. Coincidence. Amazing. You guys have no idea what I'm... Okay. I'm messing with everything today, okay? Even if you did find the perfect match for you, right? When you put an unhealthy weight on that relationship. There's only one outcome that's going to happen. You have to embrace this season of life. And if you never had singleness, I got married at 21, she was 19. We didn't really enjoy much singleness. Okay, but again, I was told that's a terrible season. Run through singleness. Get straight to marriage. That's the good stuff. <laughs> we just don't have time for all the jokes in my head. You don't understand. I, I, got, I got to hurry. Self-control, okay. You are to find your wholeness in one place only. What changes from Old Testament to New, the, the shift, what Jesus is trying to embody is this. You do not need to find your wholeness in any other human being but Jesus first. And this is the hardest thing for anyone to ever learn. I'm telling you right now, and everyone in this room, we struggle with this every day. To lean on Jesus. This is the hardest lesson 
to learn as a Christian? How do I lean on someone I cannot see, I cannot touch, I cannot talk to as easily as I can? Oh, this gift from God, I'm going to lean on this one heavy. If you, if you lost your season of being single, I encourage you, find healthy ways. Find healthy ways to have moments and pockets of discovery. You need to rediscover who God is without anyone else's input or voices about it. I miss at nighttime being in a room by myself alone with just my thoughts. Now that could be scary at sometimes too, right? But there's something about the ability to connect to God without any distractions. There's a freedom in singleness. If I want to quit my job and go on a whatever hike of, you know, if I want to climb K2, I can do it. If I come home after church and say, hey honey, I'm, I'm gone for a month. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> it's not going to go well, right? I know school's starting, I understand, you know, but I'll be gone for a little bit, right? You need to understand that singleness is a gift, and we never need to let go of the one part of, of singleness. Take with you in your pocket the reminder that only Jesus makes you whole. The more you look to any other thing to make you whole, to tell you who you are, your spouse cannot tell you who you are. Your children, by the way, parents were terrible about, about this. The reason that you got baseball parents out there fighting on the mound, because they're looking for their kids to tell them who they are, how valuable they are. Sounds cheesy, but if my kid is an all-star, you know who else is an all-star? <laughs> I'm an all-star. I did that. That was me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. Hush. You <laughs> said it was your wife. You're not a baseball player. Truth. Find wholeness in, in God first. This is where it is. This is the thing we've got to take with us. But for all the singles in the room, I want you to understand something. We haven't made it easier for you. We failed you and that we've told you that you need to rush. You need to hurry. You need to find that person because you know what? Everything will be better if you just get married. Kids, we all have a gift in the room, okay? Our parents. I want you to look at your parents in a very honest way and say, are they fully happy? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> joking. I'm just messing. <laughs> way too much fun. Okay. You and I both know marriage will not fix you. When you're single, you're alone with a broken person all day long. When you're married, you're hanging out with two of them all day long. <laughs> I mean, come on. You've got to find Jesus first. You do not need to rush through this season. There's a gift in it and you need to enjoy it. Freedom is a gift from God. Enjoy it. Reliance on no one but God is a gift. You need to enjoy it. And having time to find yourself is an amazing gift. To have time to figure out who you are without having to take... To take care of yourself without taking care of everyone else. I spend hours in that office back there trying to help people find a way to find themselves and take care of themselves while taking care of everything else in their life. It is ten times harder. And for everyone in this room who has no desire to be married, you don't have to. You have some great role models. Jesus and the Apostle Paul. 
it can be a gift. Whatever the gift is from God for you, enjoy that gift. You don't need the, the gift of anyone else. Enjoy that gift. The last thing for those of us in the room who are not single, here are some things we need to do to care for people who are single better. Here's some care tips for us. Here's the first thing. We need to be better to not overlook them. I, as a pastor, am trying my best to figure out ways for us to transition. How do we take care of singles better in this church? I'm looking for someone right now who has a passion for singles. If that's you, come find me. I'm serious. I want us to take care of singles. We're not going to overlook you anymore. It's important for you to not exclude singles. When you guys are going hanging out and it's your couple and the other couple and the other couple and you go, oh, I want to invite so-and-so, but I know they're going to feel awkward. Do it anyway. They can be a third wheel. It's up to them. It's their choice. Trikes are a lot of fun. They, they crash really easy. All right? So just, just invite that third wheel and see what happens. All right? And the biggest thing for us as a church culture, we have to make sure that we stop assuming that marriage is the answer. Hey, you made a boo-boo. You screwed up. You guys had sex when you shouldn't have. Guess what? Marriage might not be the solution here. Let's discern. Let's find out first if it's God's will, if it's something that could actually work. Because you know what? I don't want to put a band-aid on something that's infected. Let's make sure that marriage is the gift for them. Let's not assume it is. Because marriage is a beautiful gift. It's the one that I was given. It's the one that I would never take it back. But that's the way I've been able to experience God. And I know amazing people who devote their entire lives to Jesus, who are out there you know, doing AIDS work and like working in, in these... Uh, uh, oh my gosh, my brain just went <laughs> shut down. Helping children with no families. Orphanages. Who are happier no, <laughs> than most of us. Embrace the gift that God's given you. Would you guys stand with me today? I just want to invite the prayer team to come on down. There are a few things that are on my heart today. Um, first of all, obviously, if you are single, we're not going to single you out. I'm not going to have you come down. But if you've just felt the pressure, if you felt empty, if you've gotten angry at God because you haven't found that person, and you just feel alone, we want to pray with you. For those of you who are married, if you never had that time to find yourself, to find God before marriage, and you know right now you're barely holding it together with tape, you're working, you're taking care of the kids, taking care of your spouse, you're trying to do the best you can, but in the inside you're falling apart. We want to be here for you. Father, I pray over this church, let us be a better place. Let us be a better family for singles. We know that the call of God that is not good for man to be alone. But that's why you gave us the church. No one has to be alone in this family. Teach us how to be better family, how to support, how to encourage, how to help them discern and know what your will for them is. And those of us in marriages, Lord, teach us, show us, let us have seasons of self-discovery, little breaks, little trips, little time to get away and to figure ourselves out. Father, I pray, Lord, that this would just be a place of grace. That you would give us space to heal and to get, to get healthy. And that when you do pair people for marriage, Lord, if that is your gift for them, that they would come into it healthy and whole. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be a good family for the married and for the single alike. In Jesus' name.